I'm Chris Reback. This is Call In. With Dr. Alexandria White, we discuss business leadership in our time of social change, when to call in, when to call out, and how to build sustainable business value today. Today's topic, managing bias in the new hybrid workplace. Before our conversation, though, an ask from us to you. We hope you like these call-in conversations, and if so, we'd appreciate it if you'd take a moment, go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, and if you're so moved, leave a five-star review. The ratings really matter. They go a long way to helping other people find the podcast. Our show is brought to you by Clayton Dubelier and Rice, which is committed to a more diverse and inclusive future. Let's call in. Hi, Dr. White. Great to see you. Hi, Chris. How are you? I am doing fine, and I am anxious to talk about the hybrid workplace. Let's start with the overview. What's the current landscape of the hybrid and remote workplace? What are the differences between them? Well, as you can understand, it is a hot topic between going back into the office or staying at home. And so we know remote work is that complete autonomy to do all your professional duties in the comfort of your home. And now hybrid workplaces. What days of the week do you go into the office? How many PTO days can you take? And your assignments, what kind of assignments are you able to do in the hybrid workplace? And so it's that balance that many companies and employees are looking for. How many days in week? And what are going to be my duties as I navigate this hybrid workplace? duties and issues and concerns and tensions and everything that one would expect from a transitioning work environment. We're, we're reading so much about it. I'd love to go through some of the challenges with you right now. And then, of course, end up with Dr. White's wisdom. You'll give us some tips and resources on how to move forward. So let's start with the main question. Should employers quote, force employees back to the workplace? Should they encourage employees back to the workplace? Do our employees need to be in the office? The the word force is so strong, Chris. Yeah, and I did put it in quotes. (laughs) You you know, we're on a podcast. You might not have seen the air quotes. Encourage as well. Yes. And so I think it's not a one size fits all. CEOs, business leaders, you know your environment. Um, You know your company culture. And so do you necessarily need everyone back in the office? And I think that's just not a one person's decision. You hire and you believe in and you trust your circle. And so when CEOs or business leaders have to understand and navigate this new normal of the hybrid workplace, you've got to get other insights and opinions and feedback. And so if you want to motivate or encourage employees back to the workplace, make sure you get different opinions and the overall sentiment of people that you trust in your inner circle. I think it's important for CEOs and business leaders to get the opinion and the pulse of people that they work with before they force hybrid workplace or in-office or overall remote working. Let's assume that all of these CEOs have taken your advice. They have kind of asked around and gotten feedback from their heads of HR, from various employees, from various line managers. We have seen on the one side, some, you know, some of them Wall Street banks that mm-hmm. have said Wall Street culture, 
we need you in the office. You need to be in the one one CEO you may have seen said, uh, you know, if you can go to a restaurant, well, yeah. then you can come into the office. On the other hand, we've seen the technology companies, not exclusively, but a lot of the technology companies, Google, Facebook, Apple has, has made uh, changes that are opening up to hybrid. Google, apparently around 10,000 employees, I saw this reported recently, around 10,000 employees at Google recently applied to work remotely or transfer to a different location. And the company approved 85% mm-hmm of the requests. So a total dichotomy between how some of our leading technology firms are acting versus how some of our leading financial services firms are acting. And there are all sorts of sectors in between there. So your advice is ask around, get guidance, but why are we then seeing such a split in how to move forward? One thing that I know for sure, as we continue to navigate this global pandemic, nothing is for certain. We're dealing with this Delta variant. And then, of course, the Delta Plus that was just entered into this as well. And so what I tell CEOs and business leaders is what we do know is things are uncertain. Hmm. And so you are going to have to navigate uncertainty and be that empathetic leader in any decision that you make. Also, attrition, retaining employees. So we know that 26% of workers in the United States are already preparing to leave their job based on what their CEOs and their business leaders are saying about hybrid, remote, or in-person workplaces. And so while it is up to the CEO to make the final decision, we want to make sure that they're cognizant of the ramifications of that, which is people saying, I don't want to work for your company. I've heard a couple of CEOs say, let's get back to work. But we know that we all have been working tirelessly to keep our jobs, to keep our family, and to keep our health intact. And so let's rephrase that to getting back to work. It's more like getting back to the office. And so as we navigate this remote and hybrid workplace, let's be empathetic to everyone in their need to make a living and be impactful in their communities and their organization. So while it is up to the CEO, he or she has to navigate, will I lose workers? And in this certain uncertain climate, how can I make sure that my clients, my employees, my stakeholders, they stay tied to my company? And so that's that's uh, my outlook on that particular question. You know, your emphasis on remaining flexible, be, being aware mm-hmm. that things change. Mm-hmm. What's particularly interesting to me about that is that's a business truth. Yes. In a supply chain, things change. Correct. In customer desires, things change. And so you're framing at that really in the way that a CEO must think about business in the first place, which I imagine is extremely helpful. So tell me, who is taking the hybrid option? What does that demographic look like? I talk to men, women, students, new people looking for new jobs and to reinvent themselves. And there's different demographics. Let's just be honest that are taking the hybrid option. Hmm. And one of those demographic applies to people who look like me, and that's women. Um, Nicholas Bloom, a professor at economics at Stanford, conducted monthly surveys about remote work since last year in May. And this is what he found. Women want to work from home 
full-time around 50% more than men. Why, why is that? Mm. You know, is it the autonomy? Is it the ability to work, whatever, come downstairs, wait till the kids get home or leave for school that allows people, especially women to want that um, ability to have that hybrid option. More women um, have applied for remote jobs than men. A lot of people are leaving companies and going to companies that offer remote work. And again, I mentioned parenthood, Mm. aging parents, taking care of your family. They are all important for people who want that hybrid work experience. Race. Um, disproportionately Black and Latinx um, mm. people are using the remote hybrid option. For instance, um, Black women. There was a report, a recent study that said Black women actually like the hybrid workplace model because it allows them to have a decrease. Once again, a decrease in microaggressions mm. going into the office. And so that um, propels Black women, minority women to say, I would rather work remote. And then let's talk about generational. I am a millennial. I work with a lot of millennials. I'm a kind of an older millennial, but I'm in there. Okay. Well, you're um, bragging now. You're bra- <laughs> Even an older millennial. Now, now you're just bragging. That's a, that's a big flex right there. And Generation Z, they are looking for that autonomy. They're looking for companies that say, hey, We want you, but we want to work around what's important to you. LinkedIn, Google, just some of the ones that come to mind that, hey, we want to work around you. You can come into the office. You can have unlimited PTO. We just want you to be employed here and be happy here because we see you and we want you to have a sense of belonging. There's pushback that I have read against okay. millennials yes. on one of the exact points that you just said, we will work around you. Mm-hmm. There, there is a sense that I have read among the previous generation who might be in leadership, who might be Correct. in a CEO role, who will say, whoa, 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 we're not working around you. Sure, we'll work around you somewhat. We're not, you know, we don't want to create a terrible workplace, but it's a workplace. There's a reason that this is called work you know, working around you isn't why we're in business, Madam Millennial. (laughs) Yes. Oh, I I hear that all the time. This should not be tailored to a generation. This is a place of work. And so as I mentioned, and as I constantly say, this is an equitable position for a company so that you can be the company that attracts the new generation of leaders you have to change your thinking in this workplace. And the pandemic did not care what you thought about the change in workplace. It happened. It happened fast. And so to keep up with those changes, you have to change some of that archaic thinking and understand that people want the tailored work experience. They want to be able to work at their time and be productive. And so let's interject Productivity into the conversation. Mm. There is data that productivity has grown five to eight percent. And so you can't say that the job's not getting done because we know that people are more productive in this hybrid workplace. 
do employees who must work or choose to work mm-hmm. have the opportunity to work a greater percentage of the time from home? Are they hurting their chance for impact and promotion? Is out of sight, in fact, out of mind? So just recently in the New York Times, there was a Stanford study that randomly assigned employees at a travel agency to nine months of mostly working at home. The at-home staffers were about half as likely as their in-office counterparts to get a promotion. That was true even though the remote workers were 13% more productive. Mm. So that goes back to if I see someone sitting in their office, they must be productive. They deserve that promotion. Yeah. She's at work all the time. She's always in the office. She's always in the office. Whereas their colleague X, oh, I only see them on Zoom. Mm. Hmm. It is about your bias. It's about your awareness. And there's something called the distance bias. Hmm. The distance bias is, is something that has happened in our virtual world. And because we've all been reduced down to these, you know, square boxes. And so seeing someone on the Zoom allows you to think, okay, there's a little bit of connectivity, but what is this person doing in their free time? Is their job focused? Is, are they focused on their job? And there's another um, experiment that talked about collaboration. Are you more likely to collaborate with someone that you can physically see versus someone in the virtual world? And so we know that being a team player, collaborating, group projects are often indicators of ways that, that people are promoted. And so there might be a tier system that happens. But what are companies and organizations going to do to combat that two-tier system bias? One other issue concern that I've seen come up about remote work or hybrid work, which is workplace harassment and or discrimination. Now, at first glance, one might think that having employees work remotely would surely reduce the ability for and instances of harassment in the workplace, but it turns out that's not the case, is it? I was completely blindsided by the recent um, studies, um, articles about this. I was thinking, we're not in the office. You're not seeing people. um, You're not in their physical presence. You know, less Title IX complaints, workplace harassment, sexual discrimination. And it's mind boggling that because people think they're in the virtual world and they've got a little bit of keyboard courage that I like to say, that this has become a thing. And so, employees have to be made aware that their voices should be heard, whether they're sitting in their living room or they're sitting in the office. And so ongoing labor and employment attorneys have seen an increase in this. And so it's incumbent upon business leaders, CEOs, CHROs, to make sure that instances of harassment in the workplace, virtual or in-person is taken care of. Having a roadmap for um, digital harassment, uh, social media harassment, um, to understand the importance that just because we're not in the office, we still hold true to our mission values and goals to make sure that everyone feels um, accepted in the companies. But I was very taken aback by recent studies um, regarding this. It strikes me you're describing there's perhaps an all new 
avenue of workplace training that is yes. going to have to occur, a whole other area to get smart on, which um, leads me to want to talk about what I like to call Dr. White's wisdom. So we've been talking about the realities of the changing workplace. We have been talking about the challenges that come with those realities. Dr. White, Alex, what are your tips or resources for empathetic leadership in the hybrid workplace? I'm so happy you mentioned empathy. Mm. Um, in this day and age, in such a um, uncertain times, empathy is a characteristic that leaders must have. It is essential, it is timely, and it is needed. And so to the CEOs and the business leaders and the decision makers, it is very important to practice empathetic leadership in whatever you decide for your company or organization. You have to build those connections with employees, doing regular check-ins, vulnerability and allowing people to show up is an aspect of empathetic leadership. Practice transparency. As I mentioned before, Delta variant has made things uncertain again. I think of all of the emails and the statements the CEO and, and business leaders have to hurriedly create because things aren't certain. So practice transparency and say, this is what we are doing, why we are doing it, and how it's going to impact you. Being creative, flexible, and fluid, and understanding that people are more than their titles. Outside applications, caring for older parents, in-laws, making meetings a little bit later so that people can understand and get to the office. Monitoring promotion and pay. It goes back to, is it out of sight, out of mind? And that two-tier bias that could show up. Changing work norms. A lot of companies, hey, as long as you get it done, that's all we're looking for. And rethinking meetings. There is a company that has pictures of its employees that are not in the office. They are in the office conference room. And so when meetings happen, the pictures of the employees that decided to work remote are actually in the office with the employees who decided to come into the office. It might seem kind of a small thing. It has helped with overall morale. So rethinking meetings. And then of course, create virtual FaceTime for everyone, just to get to know each other and understand that virtual work environments are the wave of the future and are currently needed during this pandemic time. And so when I think about empathetic leadership, those are just some of the things that come to mind to empower business leaders to make sure that they keep their employees, they understand their employees, and they balance the need to have hybrid workplaces. Balance is such an important concept for sure. So if I hear you, I heard one, build that connection with employees, do those check-ins. Two, practice transparency in your behavior. Three, be creative, be flexible, be cognizant of outside obligations. And then what I love is some real tangible tactics, how to bring that to life monitoring promotion and pay data, changing work norms, rethinking meetings, creating virtual FaceTime. Those are great tips. Those are great resources. Anything else, Alex, that we should know? 
I think that this conversation is needed and it is going to continue to change because once again, we know um, the next class of employees are looking for that. So this conversation will continue. It is ever changing um, and it is very important. I look forward to it continuing. And of course, I am grateful as well for that last tip that you gave, avoid archaic thinking. I will work hard (laughs) on that one. Alex, thank you. Talk to you soon. Thank you, Chris.